0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message.
1: It has given me something for us today. 1 Timothy 6 and 1. 1 Timothy 6, verse 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Let the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they're brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. Tell Timothy, says, these things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ unto the doctrine, which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, surmisings, perverse disputings of men, corrupt minds, And destitute of truth. I don't think any of us want to find ourselves in that category today. There's a way to keep ourselves safe from that. I don't want to be destitute of truth. I don't want truth to be compromised. Paul's looking at Timothy and he says, "Don't, don't allow yourself to submit to pressures that are around you, to change the doctrine, to go off on... Some other way. He said, I'm warning you, it has a terrible end. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into Many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. The love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. I love verse 12, our final verse. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith, Timothy. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. On this July 4th weekend, where we celebrate our freedom we gather together we watch fireworks displays and we may attend a fair or some fun thing or barbecue with our family and our friends and swim in our cool swimming pools and go on our motorcycle rides whatever it is that you do for fun because your freedom enables you to do it while you're doing all those things, just remember that somebody paid the price for us to enjoy the freedom that we have today. I just simply want to preach a message I've entitled, Defending Freedom, Defending Freedom. You may be seated today. This past week was a um, a beautiful week as we took part in the wedding of Nolan and Graham and Katie, his just lovely wife, and they are off in, I think, maybe this may be their last day in Hawaii. Um, but the wedding, um, they could have not have timed their wedding any more perfectly for my sake than waiting until I was retired from my secular job so that I could help officiate the ceremony. Uh, the grand boys have a very special place in in my heart. I've watched them uh as young men, when they first came to this church, uh, develop and mature, uh, they are all four used in some capacity of ministry all over the country. And so, I was very honored that, even though it has been almost ten years, almost a decade since Nolan went away to uh, grad uh, to to Indiana Bible College, that he would consider me uh, to be a part of the officiating of. His wedding, I was very honored by that, and uh, it was a beautiful wedding. It was a whirlwind first couple of days. Uh, there was a lot of travel involved, and we got there and uh, rehearsal, and the rehearsal dinner back at the house out in California where it was located. Uh, a lot of them that were on the way took a different way than we took, and they had to get detoured because there was a brush fire that had roads closed, and so there was all kinds of things that we're not accustomed to, that was going on out there the landscape was very different than what i'm accustomed to uh, there is no such thing as green grass in the, in the yards i mean it's all burnt up it's all dry there's cactuses and uh, and palm trees it's a very beautiful landscape but but it is a very dry landscape and and so i was very glad to come back home and walk through my my green front yard as it got a little bit of rain yesterday and enjoy just seeing the rain there was no rain while we were there it was very dry and and so things were were rolling along very rapidly that friday and that saturday saturday we got uh, there early for the wedding and the ceremony and the setup up and the tear down but but since we have never been to california we thought that we should stay for a few days and, and see the sights and graham so graciously uh invited us to stay in the the house that they had rented uh for uh, the rehearsal dinner they very, I think, very smart in doing that. Saved them from uh, renting another venue. They they just rented this nice, large house, a very beautiful location, and had the rehearsal uh, dinner right right there. And everybody was vi- invited over, and there was plenty of room outside and inside. The weather was beautiful, and so it was a great place to be. And and uh, we were there with them, and we uh, were spending a few extra days uh, with uh, the Graham uh, uh, the Graham touring. Uh, Company and uh, they kind of set up a lot of stuff for us to do over the next few days. They wanted us to see a lot of things, and and so that's what we did. We just uh, uh, brother Graham became my chauffeur. I, I don't know if he realizes I thought of him that way, but but uh, I I thought I don't have I've been driving for 33 years. He said you want to drive. I said nope. You can you can have it, said, brother. It's all yours. You can do the driving. I've been doing driving for three decades, and so he drove us around and got us into places, and we ha- had a good time with with them, with friends, and we, we, we went to a place one day where we watched a, a guy jump off of a cliff, and uh, he was attached to a paraglider, so it wasn't, you know, like uh, he went down and went splat he did have something, but he flew right over the top of us, and we were waving at him, he was waving at us, and it wasn't like the last time in Florida when the guy was coming in, he had one of those motorized ones, and he was flying down the coastline, and he was waving at me and I was videotaping and waving at him. He just kept waving so I just kept waving at him. He kept waving, I kept waving at him. Finally, he got close enough and he said,
0: "Get out of the way." He wasn't very nice at all.
1: I thought he was saying hello. I thought he was super friendly. These Florida people are
0: really nice, but he was like, "Move, dummy." Trying to make a landing. We went out and watched Seals in the Natural Habitat. It
1: was really cool. The, they were funny and cute and, and noisy and toured Hollywood and Beverly Hills uh, by some guy that I don't know, I don't think any of us will ever forget Howie. Howie, Howie was, I think. Honestly, we thought high when he first walked around the corner. We thought he was a homeless man. He walked he walked over, he looked homeless, and he walked over and began to talk to a guy that was leaned up against a trash barrel, taking a snooze, and so I thought, oh, this, this guy's homeless, and so I thought, hey, is anybody going to stop that homeless guy from getting in our, our tour van, but Howard was the tour guide, and, and as much fun as we had, it was probably going to be the most memorable thing that we had we we all laughed at, at it now because we thought you know we should have known this thing was a little sketchy when the first stop that Howard made was at the gas station and he leaves the van running with all of us out there in it and he says anybody else want a snack and he goes in and gets himself a, a, a fruit drink and, and a lime popsicle and he comes out and, man he he didn't even use the stick when he ate his popsicle he let it kind of melt and Crushed it all up, took the stick out, threw it out the window, and 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 ripped the top open and and spilled lime juice all over himself and all over Brandon and he, we had we had popsicle everywhere. He was eating that popsicle right out of the wrapper.
0: I knew we were in gangster territory here. Never forget Howard. We walked on the Hollywood Stars Walk of
1: Fame. I've got pictures of Lucille Ball's star and and uh, Carol Burnett's star and oh, a lot of different ones. And he took us all around. We saw the houses of Beverly Hills, and he was he pulling up, and he said, that's where Taylor Swift lives. And he pulled up another one, that's where so-and-so lives, and this is where so-and-so lives. And when we got finished, he, I, we we. We all admitted he could have been just pointing up to a nice house and making up names all day long. We had no proof that that's where anybody lived. And we're paying this guy good money just to drive us around, point out nice houses, and tell us that famous people live there. He took us down on Rodeo Drive, which is the most expensive shopping place, I I believe, in the world. It's got all these these stores' names that that I've never heard of them before because I can't afford them. As a matter of fact, most people can't afford them. They just walk through. And so Howard told us, he said, every time we see somebody with a legit shopping bag, he said, we stop and we clap and we say, hey, you bought something awesome. And we cheer them because they actually made a purchase on Rodeo Drive.
0: I saw Royals, Royces, and Bentleys. I mean, you don't see too many of those driving around Sparta, Illinois. It was really a, a fantastic experience. But I have to say that
1: my favorite part of the trip was taking a tour of the USS Aircraft
0: Carrier, the Midway. I have always been, um, I've always enjoyed military items, memorabilia. I, 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 I'm
1: fascinated when I see uh, one of the military jets fly over the top of us, and I've just got to stop everything, stand there and watch and listen. That was going on all day, all week long down there. I've been to the Mobile, Alabama. Been to Mobile, Al- Alabama. I've seen uh, the battleship that's there, that's docked there for you to tour. It's it, that's a great one. Uh, really enjoyed that. I've walked through uh, the drum. That's it's the name of one of the old submarines that they have that you can walk through and tour. Uh, I, I've tried to imagine what it would be like to. To spend part of your life uh, underneath the water on a submarine uh, all cramped like that. I just, I can't fathom that. That would not be for me. But but I've never seen anything to the scale as the midway. It was enormous. It was this major aircraft carrier that you could walk through, tour, walk around, get a bite to eat, buy some memorabilia, whatever. Uh, that, that aircraft carrier would hold 120 aircraft and 4,500 crew members. Now, to put that into perspective, when you leave town today, turn around and look at the sign that shows how many people are are in our city. You could fit the entire city of Sparta, Illinois on that, that, that craft. Not to mention all the other airplanes and military gear that was there. But here's the thing that I found fascinating about it. You don't just build those to become a museum. That's not what the Midway was built for. That's what it is now. But it was originally built at the tail end of World War II because we were in the midst of a major struggle. There was a major power play, and they miraculously got that battleship done and completed and ready to be launched in 17 months. Now, that may not seem like too much to you, but you walk onto that thing and you look at everything that's on, on that. They can't get a, a two-bedroom, a two two-bathroom home done in 17 months around here hardly anymore. You got a, you're on a waiting list, but in
0: 17 months, that entire massive ship was built and ready to be set out to sea. Here's the amazing thing. It missed the war by one week.
1: Now, that's a good thing. That's awesome. I'm glad we never had to use it in World War II. I'm glad the war came to an end. I'm glad that it never had to see a single World War II battle. Amen. This country was born out of a desperation to be free. There was no USS Midway back in the late 1700s. Uh, No, no, there was no F-18s. There was no M4 machine guns being dispensed. No, 246 years ago, it was men with muskets and pistols and rifles and knives and bayonets and tomahawks and axes and swords and pole arms and cannons. And with those things and a desire for freedom, there was, a ba- there was a battle that took place that was born uh, so that we could know what freedom felt like in this country. It takes a mindset. It takes a determination. It takes knowing that you're going to have some losses, that there's going to be some things that don't go your way. But if you have the mindset, and like those men had back there in the 1700s, that says, you know what? I am determined to be free, not just so that I can be free, but so that my children can know what freedom is like, and my grandchildren can know what freedom is like, and
0: all those that I may never meet, they can taste the taste of freedom said it's worth the price. It's worth the price. So why after all these years the declaration has been signed this country has been free for almost 250 years now. Why after all these years do we still have a military? Why are they still building, as we well saw when we took
1: the bay tour out there? They took us out into the bay, and you saw ship after ship being built, all these different things that were taking place. Why is it that this country still has a military? Didn't we already pay for that 250 years ago? Didn't men and women lay down their lives and and, and cause us to be able to
0: stand up on our own two feet. Haven't we been free for long enough? Why do we still need a military? I'll tell you why. Because there's always someone that wants to take away the freedom that was purchased with the blood of years gone by. Our freedom must be protected. What one
1: generation purchased with their blood The next generation must protect because if we ever get to the place where we don't value the freedom, then we'll let it get taken away from us little at a time or maybe a lot at a time. We'll let it be taken away from us. But I'm here to tell you today, I still believe that we have people that value our freedom and they value it so much that they're willing to pay the price, whatever that cost might be, so that future generations
0: can still know what it's like to be raised in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Peter understood it. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He warned us, just because you came down to the altar and you got filled with the Holy
1: Ghost and you were baptized in Jesus' name, and you repented of your sins, doesn't mean that you're not going to have an adversary. Just because you found freedom, and the Lord delivered you from drugs or alcohol, or he put your marriage back together again, or he did something amazing, some great miraculous thing in your life, doesn't mean that somewhere down the road it's not going to be tested and it's not going to be tried. Somebody needs to hear me today. Just having freedom is not good enough. You've got to be willing to defend what you've been given in Jesus' name. You've got to be willing to fight
0: for it because this world is coming after you. There's a pressure for you to give up. Who's standing guard over your walk with God? Are you sober? Are you vigilant? Because if not, there is an adversary seeking whom he can crush. I'd like to say that when people got the Holy Ghost,
1: they all stayed in, but you and I both know that's not the truth. This church would be running seven, eight hundred people right now if everybody that came through here and got. Got touched and moved in the right direction. The Lord touched them. If they were all still here, and I, I know some have died and gone on to meet their reward. Uh, uh, but, but, but we have had a lot of people come through here, and God has done miraculous things, and they have found freedom from their issues, freedom from whatever had bonded that they were in. And yet, you look around today and say, "Where are they? Why aren't they serving God? Why is it that somebody can walk away from the love of Jesus Christ?" I'm telling you why. Peter told you why. It's because there is an adversary trying to steal what you have been given. Just because it wasn't your blood that purchased it doesn't mean that you should not have
0: to defend the blood that did purchase it. I don't want to ever find myself in a place where my defense is down. I don't ever want to become an easy target. I want to be ready at all times. I want to be alert, to be vigilant, and be standing guard over the only thing that God gave me that is eternal my soul. If I'm alert and vigilant, sober, taking it seriously, my walk and my relationship with God then not only can I guard my own spirit, but God has allowed us to look over someone else's as brothers and sisters in Christ. We need a minute man in mentality, ready to do what was needed in a moment's notice. These men... Back in the Revolutionary War were a very critical part, very important part. They played an an important part of us winning that war. They were an elite force. The reason that they got their name Minutemen was because they had to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Less than a minute out the door
1: on their way. Wherever they were being called, wherever the, the battle was gonna
0: be. They were always ready. They were, as Peter said, sober, were vigilant. There was no at the sounding of the alarm hopping up and looking around saying, Hey Han, do you, you remember where I set my musket? Babe, these socks don't match. There was none of that. No, in my mind, I'm thinking, I, I imagine they probably slept dressed, or at least partially dressed.
1: Their musket and everything that they needed for battle was right in a place, and they made sure before they went to bed every night that they knew exactly where things were laid out. Now. This is not on the same level, but but just go with me here. This is the way I operated back when I worked for Federal Express in the morning. The night before, I would grab my my uniform, my shirt, my pants, my belt, my shoes, lay it all out there. I I didn't keep it out there all week. That's stuff we keep in the closet. But the night before I went to work, I would lay all of that out. And the reason that I did that was because I'm not a a minute man, but I'm probably a five-minute man. In under five minutes, Joe, I could I could throw those pants on, I could be uh, have that shirt on, throw me a ball cap on, and out the door I went. I I had stuff in the car where I always kept it that I that I needed for work every day, and everything else was laid out just like that. I could be out that door so fast, and I can't tell you how many times that I reach over for the tenth time press that snooze button, and finally wake up going, "Uh uh-oh, there's no more time left. I am out of
0: time and having to make up time. So I could get up and I could get out that door fast. I believe these guys slept with one eye open. I don't believe they ever went to sleep and got too, too comfortable. I think they understood the importance of vigilance. It wasn't
1: just their life that was on the line. It could be their homes, their families, their children.
0: It was important to them that they waste not a second, but they had everything ready to go to battle. attack could come at any moment. Our music would come today. There's a reason that we've never fought a full-scale war on U.S. soil. Yes, we've been hit. There have been times where surprise attack has caught us. Sneak attack or two has taken place. But there has always been a price to be paid when you mess with a defender of freedom. I am proud to be United States citizen. I'm grateful for the freedoms that this
1: country affords us. By all means, is this country perfect? No, not at
0: all. Do we have our problems? You better believe we do. Do we need to make some changes? Absolutely. But I am grateful that I can go to different places and see activity
1: on Air Force bases and military camps. I can see people in the airport in uniform. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. There's something about standing aboard that that big aircraft carrier that humbles me. Something about that that my wife knows this. There have been times where I said if there's one thing that I wish I could have done, it would have been to spend a couple, few years serving our country in the military of one branch or another. God had other plans. God knows what he's doing. But I'm in awe. I'm in awe of this country's ability to defend freedom. I hope that never changes. Paul, he knows. He knows he's about to pass the baton. He knows his life is very quickly gonna come to an end. So he tells Timothy, teach them, teach them sound doctrine, but also teach, warn them, teach them to beware. He said, These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes and words. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings? first disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. You see, there's some people out there that think just because they're doing well in this life that they must be blessed. There's some people that look at gain as being Godly. Paul tells Timothy, don't get wrapped up in all that. Don't go off chasing the, the money bank. Don't go off looking for an easier way of life. You stick to truth. You, you teach the same doctrine that I've taught. Timothy, has it been easy on me? No, look at me. I've been, I, I, I've suffered all kinds of persecution." And now my life is about ready to come to, to an end, and it's not going to be from old age. But, Timothy, hear me. This freedom that I found on the road to Damascus is worth fighting for, it's worth defending. I gave up everything power, position. But I gave up nothing because Jesus Christ gave me real power and real position. So, Timothy, fight the good fight. It's a fight worth fighting. Would you stand with me today? Paul is at Timothy, and he doesn't want what he's fought to, for to be wasted by the generation to follow. It's important to him. It's important to me that we don't lose freedom. Because after I'm gone, you guys gather around, cry over me a little bit. Somebody drops me in a hole in the ground. This little guy right here is still going to be moving around. See, it matters what happens when I'm no longer around to me. And it's got to matter to us. It's got to matter to us enough that we are willing to be Inconvenienced, persecuted if need be. We must remain defenders of our spiritual freedom. It's too important. This message is too important. Many have watered it down. Many have changed it. Many have said it's not important anymore. Many have said, oh, that's, that's that's old stuff. That's that's old biblical stuff. That doesn't matter. They've come too late. I've already been filled with the Holy Ghost. I know that it's real. I've already felt what it feels like to be baptized in Jesus' name and come up and have my soul cleaned. I already know what that feels. But my some of my grandchildren, they don't know what that feels like yet. So I have to defend this truth. I have to defend this freedom until they can experience it for themselves because the world will not want them to experience it. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight. faith. I had a grandmother who found this freedom Almost a century ago, Lola P. Bird passed away a couple of years ago. Many of you know who she is. In her late 30s, she became a widow, lost the love of her life. Still would cry about my grandfather when she talked about it. Still heartbroken. Been gone for 65 years. She lived to be 100 years old. You'd think maybe you could get past it. Left with three children, went to work, a single mother. You think that she might get bitter, might give up. But God was important to her because she had three children. When she was ready to fall apart, when she didn't care about her own life anymore, she was so, she was so depressed and so lonely, she thought about those that were following her. What kind of life was she going to leave for them? So she just kept plugging away. She just kept praying. She just kept cleaning that old church basement every week. Her youngest son was my father. Found the Lord at a young age because He had a mother with the tenacity to stay in the fight. His story wasn't an easy one either. Troubles came. I lived with the man for 18 years. I know know what it was like in that house. I know the battles he faced at work. I saw when people lied on him, when people tried to destroy him. I watched people disappoint him that he respected, but did he quit? No, if anything, he dug in his heels that much more. He began to push forward. What was he doing? He was defending freedom. A freedom that his mother had purchased and passed down to him. He was defending freedom. Long before he ever held a little baby boy in his hand named Douglas, he was defending freedom. But even when that Young boy turned into a teenager and went slightly astray. He didn't bend and he didn't break. He just kept standing on the truth. Because of that, a wayward prodigal came home. How was I to ever know that I would become my father's pastor one day? I'm sure it shocked him as much as it did me. Freedom is precious. The freedom that you have must be defended because you're not just defending it for yourself. You're defending it for all those who will come after you. We've all had our shares of up and downs, and the question is, is what you're fighting for worth your effort? Because a lot of things aren't. There's a lot of things you may struggle through life. Get, take home only to find out you've got buyer's remorse. But this isn't one of them. This is worth protecting. So the final question that I have today, that I'm just going to open up the altars for a season of gathering in as a church family and praying with each other. I ask you this question Is the freedom that was paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ worth defending to you? You see, he was the only one. We've got hundreds of thousands of men and women that will step across the line now, but when it comes to salvation, there was only one who could say yes, and he did. And he suffered. He allowed himself to be persecuted and eventually put to death. And it was his blood that bought my freedom and your freedom. So I ask again, is that worth anything to us today? Or have we just become comfortable in our religion and forgotten about what it took to get us where we are today? I want us to be able to experience this For generations to come until the Lord comes to take his people home. They begin to sing, I just want to open this altar up to the church today. Maybe you've never come down to an altar before. You can stay right where you're at. You can come down, kneel down at this altar, kneel down in a pew, stand here, raise your hand. But I think we ought to show a little gratitude today to the one who made our spiritual freedom
0: a possibility.